Welcome to the Thrive Forever Fit Show, the podcast that's here to ignite your potential and guide you on a journey towards living your best life. I'm your host, Jay Nixon, and I'm thrilled to have you with us today. On this show, we're passionate about one thing, and that's helping you reach your full potential, whether that's in your health and fitness, relationships, career, or personal growth. We're here to provide you with tools, strategies, and inspiration to thrive in every aspect of your life. Each episode will dive deep into topics that matter most, featuring insightful interviews with experts, thought leaders, and individuals who've achieved extraordinary success. Together, we're gonna to explore powerful mindset shifts, nutrition and fitness strategies, effective goal setting, mindfulness techniques, and much, much more. We'll break down the barriers that hold you back and help you build resilience, focus, and unwavering determination. So if you're ready to unleash your potential, and embark on a transformative journey, this podcast is for you. It's time to embrace your inner fire, tap into your limitless capabilities, and make every day an opportunity for growth and self-improvement. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and empowered to live the life you've always dreamed of. The Thrive Forever Fit Show is here to support you every step of the way. Let's dive in. Before we dive into the show, I want to take a quick moment to talk about the sponsor of this episode. It is very dear and near and close to my heart because it is Lori's company, Spa Star. If you ever had the opportunity to watch someone create something from a thought or a vision and make this magical thing actually come to life, well, then you'll know why I'm so extremely proud of her and why I'm so excited to have her sponsoring the Thrive Forever Fit Show. If you've listened to my podcast, then you probably heard her on episode 259. If you haven't heard that, I would go listen to episode 259 as soon as you finish this episode. She talks about the story of, of how she created it, the, the adversity she overcame, the challenges that she worked through, and just the inspirational story that I know you're absolutely going to love. But what Spa Star is, it's, it's a, a luxury wrap. And it was created as a, a spa wrap for people who were getting beauty treatments. But what we found out is it is a piece for everyday life. People are wearing it as swimsuit cover-ups, uh, resort wear, just to get ready in the mornings or for that special event. It is the most unique piece. And I've actually, I've actually worn this thing several times. I was the actual first model for this. Maybe I'll show you guys some photos of that, Fred, when the time is right. But it is such a cool creation called the Get Ready Wrap by Spa Star. And because you're a listener, you get 15% off today because you support me. So just go to spastar.net, spastar.net, the word spa, the word star.net. And at the checkout, enter Thrive15, T-H-R-I-V-E 15, and you're going to get 15% off of your Get Ready Wrap. So many of my clients already have these and absolutely love them. We're selling them all over the country and all over the world, for that matter, to high-end luxury spas and to people just like you that are using them inside of their own homes. They're traveling with them. They're using them at the pool. It's so really just unbelievably cool to see it and witness. And I'm so blessed to be a part of it. And I'm so blessed to have Lori actually sponsoring my podcast, which I think is really, really cool. So go check out Spa Star. I know you're going to love it. It is the coolest thing ever. And guys, this isn't just for ladies. This is one of the coolest gifts you could get 
your any female in your life for that matter. If Lori hadn't have created it, I would buy them for her as a gift to show her my love and appreciation. So dudes, if you're listening and you need to get a gift for your significant other or some special person in your life, go to spastar.net, grab a get ready wrap. There's all kinds of colors. There's black, there's sage, there's a berry color. There's a, um, gosh, I just went blank. There's a kind of a greeny kind of avocado-y color. Really cool. You're definitely going to love these, I promise. So go to spastar.net, check it out, support Lori. And Lori, thank you for sponsoring the show. All right, let's get to the action. You ever meet somebody and know immediately, I'm going to be friends with that person. Well, that's what happened with my man, Hugh. He's going to be on today's podcast. He is a jack of all trades. He's a serial entrepreneur. He has a skincare company that is based off of CBD. It's called Cosmetic. He also has a cleaning solution company called Clean Republic, we're going to dive into both of those, why he created them. He's also an avid rock climber. My man's into music. He is a jack of all trades and just a cool dude. I met Hugh in Las Vegas a few months ago. He walked in the room and if, like I said, I'm a big energy guy and I'm like, I like this dude's energy. I'm going to get to know him and I'm going to be friends with him. And here we are today. I've got Hugh on the podcast. You're going to fall in love with him just like I did. He's an exceptional human and you're going to love today's show. Saddle up, get ready. Let's go. Hugh, my man, thanks for coming on the podcast today, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jay. Pleasure, pleasure to be here, man. Just to hang out and talk. Yeah, I know we chatted a little bit before I hit record and, um, you and I got the really unique opportunity to meet each other in Vegas, probably maybe a month and a half ago. I, my time flies, and I know it does for you. Oh yeah, huge. Hugh just got off a plane from New York City, guys. So hats off to him for showing up to the podcast. So <laughs> yeah, you travel like I mean half of the year. You're on a plane or in a hotel or doing something really cool, and we'll we'll talk about why in a second. But I was talking in this in the show, like in the, in the intro, like. I'm a big frequency guy. All my listeners know that. And when when I met you in Vegas, I'm like, this is the kind of guy that I want to get to know. I want to know more about him. Yep. Super intrigued. And so thank you for just being like good energy, positive vibes, and just being a rock star dude. I appreciate that. Now, do you take it to the that that level of like seeing the color spectrums of energy or, you know, that's like a big thing in the spa industry where. Yeah, I'm not really. Well, first and foremost, I'm like semi colorblind. So, no, it wouldn't do me any good. <laughs> it wouldn't do me any good to even like because if I can't tell the difference between like blue and purple and brown <laughs> and green. And, so I'd be a mess if that was it. I'm really into like I got into like frequency music a long time ago, probably three mm. or four years ago, just like certain like um hertz like frequencies yeah and then it just kind of tapped me into like being more aware of like humans like you know what i mean like if you're in the room mm -hmm. with like with, with other humans and you just you pay attention yeah they give off a certain energy man and, and especially if they talk and the way they interact the way they move yeah. and like i like i said to you earlier like you were you know we were in, Lori and i were in the room for the first time right you'd been this is probably like your hundredth live love spa for us, we're like as newbies, we're kind of looking around like, where do we fit in? Like, you know, how does this work? Like, you know, not knowing what to do. And I just remember like you had such a calming, like peaceful, awesome energy. You were so kind, so nice. And then everybody else that came over to our booth was like, have you met Hugh? Have you met Hugh? Have you talked to Hugh yet? Like, go talk to Hugh. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go meet this guy. And then when I did, you're just so awesome, dude. I, and I just want to say I appreciate that. 
Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I always, I really enjoyed uh, the first time we met too, having, having good conversation. You know, some people just want to come up and talk business and you know, I'd rather talk about energy frequencies, to be honest. So you, you, <laughs> I appreciate you, that. You and me both. And that's, that's funny for you to say, cause you're a, you're a business rock star. I mean, you have got two brands that I want to talk about both of them. Cause I'm personally intrigued, but I think I told you this the first time we met, like I had been using your product for probably a year and a half. So Lori and I always stay at the Cosmo in Vegas. And so we'd go in and, you know, you get all these points. You can never use all the points. And we're like, oh, I'm going to try this lotion and this CBD and, you know, yeah. this cream and stuff. And I've been using your stuff for a year and a half. And so when I saw you in the room and I'm like, wait a minute, like, I know that <laughs> dude. I mean, I, I was like, I don't know the dude, but I know the product. Like I use yeah. that. And so that got, that got me really intrigued, which I thought was really cool to like, you know, put those two things together. So You've got a CBD-based skincare brand that you created for a, a really unique reason. So can you can you kind of tell me, you know, how that all came about? Yeah. So, you know, in a nutshell, uh, my mom, she had gotten uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis like 15 years ago or so. And, you know, it started getting pretty bad a couple of years in where she would just get this involuntary spasticity every night. It's pretty common with certain types of MS. And honestly, for the type of MS that she had, it really is one of the uh, the worst symptoms that you have. And, and it was just really rough to see her on all of these different types of painkillers and muscle relaxers that were sort of changing how she felt and, and interacted. And so like, you know, I, I feel like we're probably very similar where, you know, if we want to find something out, you know, we'll just go research it ourselves. And so, you know, I just started googling and and you know trying to read any sort of like white papers or you know newer studies and there was um there was some research on you know cbd thc other cannabinoids and you know their their uh you know the interaction of the endocannabinoid system with your central nervous system and there's one study in particular that kind of caught my attention on its uh, interaction with gaba and so you know i came to my mom and was like, Hey, I think you should try CBD. And, you know, she's from Tennessee. And so it was immediately like the devil's lettuce, you know, like right. I was trying to get her to do heroin or something, right. but, uh, you know, she, she would really only wanted to try topicals. I finally talked her into that and we tried all these topicals out and, you know, nothing really happened. I think a lot of people have had that, that same experience. And, yeah. and then we tried an ingestible CBD product. It was a full spectrum tincture from someone. And it really, we felt impact within, you know, the first 15 minutes. And that's what sort of made me really question, you know, how does CBD interact with the body when it's smoked or when you ingest it or when you put it onto your skin? And so partnered up with a PhD and just started looking at that, just bioavailability of the different forms of, of CBD. And, you know, when I, I've started businesses before and I hate... I, I like really niche businesses. Um, I don't like trying to cast this, you know, really wide net. And I'm so glad that we thought about the spa industry being, you know, a really good partnership with, with CBD because, um, you know, it's one of my favorite industries I've ever worked in and can't see myself not working in the spa and wellness industries anymore. And so, you know, now we have a farm in Colorado got extraction facilities, manufacturing facilities, and, you know, sell to the, sell to the luxury spa industry, a lot of really specialty products. If you go to uh, like a, a C 
CBD show or like a spa show, a lot of times they'll have dog treats and vaporizer pens and skincare. And, and, you know, I would never use skincare by like purina dog food. Right. Right. So what makes you think that they make a good dog treat or skincare? And so we really just niched ourselves into the, into the spa industry. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, my mom, she hasn't had a spasm in three years and just is anybody's watching who does have MS. I want to point out that we make her a hot version of our cold press cbd oil and that we put more thc in it that's you know legal that's legal and under uh under the farm bill and so you do want a little bit of extra thc for ms in particular but you know in general cannabinoids have really taken away involuntary spasms from our life it's really wild to see something that cannabinoids can do that's crazy and i think you just signified why I'm like, I want to be friends with this guy because you you saw a problem and you said, there's got to be a solution and I'm going to go figure it out. And that's exactly how I am. Like the problem is the problem really becomes irrelevant to me. And I just focus on a solution and I figure out like, I'm going to figure out how to make this, this particular situation better. That's really what, that's really what you did. And then you're like, well, I mean, if this works for mom, then there's a an opportunity here for me to help way more people. And I love the fact that you said you, you niche down into the spa, like in wellness, you know, yeah. variety, because you're so right. It's like, you see, you know, I call it like shotgun marketing or like shotgun sales where like, yeah, everybody's my customer. Well, if everybody's your customer, then nobody's probably your customer. Right? Because, <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, like, I don't want, you know, I don't want Perina dog treats making my CBD tincture that I'm using to go to sleep at night. Right. right. And, and vice versa. It's like, you know, stay in your lane, specialize and go from there. Well, that's I mean, so how long ago did you how long ago did you do this? How long ago? How long have you had? You know, we started days? really looking into it about seven and a half years ago. OK. Um, and initially we were actually selling to the marijuana industry in Colorado. We had a uh, like a marijuana license. And so uh, part of the business was selling to dispensaries at the time. You couldn't really get a bank account. And so everyone was like giving you bags of cash and it was, it was still a little new, a little sketchy. Um, and so, you know, we sort of just pivoted just into the CBD spa side. So the farm really, we've been selling the spa industry for about five years now at the end of this year, it'll be five years. Which is unbelievable because I can't go anywhere and not see your stuff. Like you are literally in every hotel that we go into, like every, <laughs> every major resort, like your stuff is on the shelf. And I think I told you this when we met, I got pissed off because you changed your packaging and I didn't know it. And so yeah. I, walked, I, I, I roll in the Cosmo because if you guys have never been to the Cosmo, the, the gym is here. You walk down a little hallway and the spa is right there. So I'm leaving the gym and I'm like, hey, hey, babe, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go in and grab my stuff. Yep. She's like, OK, cool. And so she's in there looking around and I'm, I'm not like I'm not getting my stuff and checking out, which is not like me. I like I know what I want. I get in and I get out. She, yep. she comes, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's gone. <laughs> she's like what it's gone and as as we were walking out the door i just happened to look at i happened to, this caught my eye like the name caught my eye the, the cosmetic caught my eye and i'm like wait a minute like maybe this is it and so then i started opening boxes and pulling out <laughs> jars i'm smelling the stuff and i'm like this is it and so yeah I, I i was pissed off for about five minutes there but uh the new packaging is unbelievable it's so cool so like eco-friendly and, and, and sustainable. Like you did a fantastic job on that, dude. You know, it was, 
it's really interesting. Like when I, when I talk to people who are like starting businesses, they'll just kind of reach out and ask questions just like I did with when I was starting first company. And one of the things cosmetic really taught me is if you make a really, really good product, like you take all of your money, all of your time, you know, build something that's great. You know, the money will come regardless of the branding. And then you'll have that big amount of money to do branding in the future and do it right. Whereas I think a lot of people, they like raise too much money up front. They dump so much into this, like, you know, into like the marketing and like how it looks and, and don't really spend as much time on just like making the, you know, best product and then just get out and hustle and sell and sell and sell and try to get in as like many people's hand as possible. And if it's a good product, in the end, people don't really care what it looks like. I mean, yeah, it'll, yeah. <laughs> if it works, it works. Well, I mean, your old package I thought was good. I mean, it was cool. It was like, oh, this is cool. Like, but the new stuff is just so clean and so chic and they're like really like, it yeah. goes right along with you and your brand and your energy. Like I keep talking about and all those things are just really synergistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a really, really cool, cool looking brand. Great product. Like I said, I've, I've been using this for over two years before I even knew who you were. Yeah. Um, cause I think a lot of times too, that, that was the cool thing for me is we use certain products and we don't think about the people behind those products often. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, Oh, this is my favorite water. This is my favorite, whatever. Like there's a person behind that and there's usually a story and there's like so yeah. much more. And so that's why when I got the opportunity to meet you, I'm like, this was really cool because it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't like I met you and I was like, Oh, this guy's cool. Like I'll give his product a shot. It was yeah. like, I love this product. It's unbelievable. And then it was kind of the reverse. And that's when you know that like there's a the great synergy. You know what I mean? Like if I would have yeah. met you and you'd have been an asshole, I'd probably still use the product because it's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it when people are like, oh my God, it's, you know, we love the product before they know you, right? Yeah. And they've got some story about like giving it to their mom, right? And it's really yeah. just, it's pretty meaningful. So um, really, I, I'm really, really cool. fortunate to be in, on this side of like the wellness industry because I, I love it. We're not, you know, just uh, giving some somebody something they don't need, right? right. It's something to like really actually help and people who are athletic, you know, get them back into the weight room or wherever it is when they're yeah. suffering from pain and inflammation. And for everybody listening, I'm going to link the, um, the, all the, the links in the show notes. It's you can, but you can find it everywhere. It's just, it's cause C A U S E medic M E D I C go look at it, go get it. It's every product that I've tried um, from you has been phenomenal and unbelievable. Let's move on to the next thing. So clean Republic, like what are we doing here? What, what's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So clean, clean Republic we sold. So we don't, okay. we don't have clean Republic anymore, but that was probably the wildest experience of my life. Um, what happened with Clean Republic? Because we initially, you know, our first farm was uh, outdoors. Um, the new one is, you know, really nice. It's fully indoors, everything like that. And a lot of times with outdoor growing, you get powdery mildew. You know, when you grow anything, it's really extremely common. It causes a lot of crop loss. And a lot of the chemicals they put on uh, plants for powdery mildew, they tend to be pretty caustic. They can damage plant tissue. And so we were looking at oxidizers, things that were, you know, clean, uh, that wouldn't damage the plant. And so we, we started testing out hydrogen peroxide. It was way too acidic. And we sort of ended up on, on hypochlorous acid. It's the 
infection fighting compound in your white blood cells. Uh, it's also produced when lightning strikes the ocean. And so, you know, we figured out a way to, to take salt water and then run electrolysis through it. You know, we're not the first people to do this. This actually the, the first time this was ever done was in world war one on the battlefield, the, uh, the allied troops would make this to neutralize chemical burns from mustard and chlorine gas. But the problem is that it's not very stable. It's usually breaks back down into salt water, you know, within a few weeks, you know, usually the, I'd say like four weeks maximum, usually about two weeks. And so we actually figured out how to stabilize it, you know, get 18 months, um, essentially for its stability without adding anything, any other chemicals to it, any stabilizers and started using it on plants. And it st actually started working really well. And so, you know, our whole vision was like, okay, let's, let's register this as a pesticide for actually like using in, you know, organic crop production. And as we were going through this process, um, we, we sort of saw a really a bigger potential because it, you know, ended up being like 200 times stronger than bleach at, at killing bacteria and viruses, but it's just salt, water, and electricity, and it's neutral pH, so it's you know really gentle. I always like demo people. I just like spray it in my mouth and be like, you know, do that with barbicide. <laughs> Watch what happens. And right. so we actually registered with the EPA as a hospital grade disinfectant. And I kid you not, three months later, COVID hit, and I knew literally nothing about disinfectants at this point. And then they tested our product on COVID and we had one of the fastest kill times in the U S and so, you know, all the spas shut down. And so literally we just transferred all of the cosmetic employees immediately over to clean Republic. And before you knew it, you know, we were selling to, you know, the NFL, these huge, uh, uh, you know, really big, um, uh, hotel groups and, um, you know, learning kind of as we go selling to prisons. Uh, and honestly, it was a little soul sucking. Um, it, I, I can't, it wasn't that fun selling disinfectant, but yeah. uh, it was such a wild experience during the pandemic, you know, where most people were, you know, at home, uh, you know, uh, just hoping that their uh, jobs would open back up or working remotely. We all had to be like in the warehouse, like, just shipping out just thousands of gallons of this stuff every single, uh, every single day. And so we, uh, we, we sold the brand. Um, I guess it was like a year, year and a half ago. So no longer involved with it, but, um, it was, it was a fun experience. Well, talk about perfect timing, right? Yeah. It was just pure luck, but yeah. for farmers out there, you know, people who like to grow, uh, I do recommend trying, uh, hypochlorous acid at like a hundred, maybe 200 parts per million spray it on like once every 14 days. And it can actually really help prevent a lot of those gross, like powdery mildew. And, uh, what we saw is it started to cause a SAR response in the plants, which is almost like an immune system boost. So it's, I think we're still learning a ton about hypochlorous acid and, you know, I just hope that we continue to move away from people think like Lysol and they think like, Lysol is Lysol, right? I did until a few years ago. I was like, oh, Lysol is its own thing. Actually, Lysol is quaternary ammonium. This is the same stuff that's in like barbicide and cabicide and metricide and all of these things that we know are insanely bad for you, especially in, in your lungs. And I remember, um, 
you know, a lot of kids, when they went back to school, they're starting to get respiratory issues because they're having to um, disinfect their desk after every class with quaternary ammonium. Um, and actually, in New Jersey, all of the EMS teams were, you know, disinfecting their ambulances with quats. And they all started developing respiratory issues. And the, gover the governor came out and said, like, no more uh, emergency medical workers can't be, you know, disinfecting in the air. They were spraying them with these like backpack sprayers. Um, they like banned doing that because everyone was developing issues. So my recommendation, hopefully Lysol doesn't listen to this, but um, look for other options besides that, because it is essentially barbicide. If it ends in ammonium chloride or some sort of, you know, bastardization of that is it's probably quaternary ammonium. So watch out for it. Well, that is great, great info. Well, dude, you've done some really cool stuff. I mean, you've done some really awesome stuff up to this this day. You, when I ask you on the thing, I'm like, hey, man, what do you want to what do you want the audience to get out of this conversation? You said to seek discomfort and embrace failure. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, I've got to say, I I I, I still seek discomfort um, from uh, what are they called? Yes, theory. It's just this really positive. A YouTube channel where they their whole thing is like saying yes to uncomfortable experiences. So, you know, it can mean a whole myriad of things on their channel. Like they went and lived with Wim Hof for like a month, which is obviously going to be very uncomfortable, you know, because you're yeah. living with Wim Hof. Um, or they'll, you know, get dropped off in Paris with no money. And then they just have to meet random people on the street and like, have them be generous and like, and find a place to stay, um, you know, be like, and, and just meet people that way. And I've always just thought that it's such a cool slogan to, to seek discomfort because we're always like pushing for comfort, but yeah. you know, when do you feel the best? Is it after like a super hard workout, right? Like no one likes working out really hard. Everyone likes after you work out really hard, right? Cause you just feel good you put yourself in that really uncomfortable position and like or like you worked for something and you accomplished it so you know that's kind of what I what I like about seek discomfort is you know don't be scared to to go try things like even starting a business is going to be extremely uncomfortable um it's going to be extremely scary as well and I you know and I know every single like billionaire has said this they're just like you know I've had a lot of failures and uh, I know it's a broken record, but it's, it's true. It, you know, you're probably going to fail in your first business. So it's, it's just, you've got to learn so much and you'll just take those experiences and don't give up and, you know, just try something new after that. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely going to struggle along the way. And even, even if the business is a success, there's going to be yeah. struggles and adversities and all those things. I like that seek discomfort because you're so right. It's like we as as humans are almost programmed to try to avoid it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we'll do everything we can to yeah. not, even though, even though I think we're smart enough to know the outcome of the discomfort will be positive, we yeah. still don't step into the discomfort. Like the working out analogy is a great one. Let's, you know, somebody who knows that they're, you know, really out of shape or really overweight or really unhealthy. It's like they stay stuck in that 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 circle, that merry-go-round of actual discomfort in and of itself, right? They're not mm -hmm. comfortable, but they won't step into that that the momentary discomfort to get better. Yeah, and I I feel like uh, for me, if I'm if I'm like okay, you know, I'm on the road so much that 
you know, you have to work out every day or you're just going to be jet lagged. Right. And, and so every single time I'm like, get to the hotel, I don't want to work out. I never want to do it. And I think if you change your mentality from like, oh, I'm going to feel good after this. And instead just being like, oh, I'm going to try to be uncomfortable right now with my goal. It, for, for whatever reason, for me, that makes it a little bit easier because when I'm like thinking, um, oh, like I need to do this because it's healthy. Instead, it's like, I want to do this because it's going to make my brain stronger for like doing something I don't want to do. Maybe I don't know yeah. that that's just sort of how I like, I know everybody's different and how they think, but that's, that's what I like to think about. Yeah. I use that same philosophy. Like I always tell people like when I'm on the road, like that's when working out's a non-negotiable. Like I have yeah. to work out when I'm traveling because I think it does a lot of things. Like it keeps, it, it minimizes the jet lag, keeps your, your normal quote unquote, unquote home routine in working order. You're probably not going to have the same comforts of food, right? Cause you don't, you're not in your no, house. Yeah. You can't just go to your kitchen. Like it's going to be a little bit of a, an adversity there finding things that you would normally eat. So it just kind of mitigates and offsets all of those things. And yeah. I think that's, that's so smart of you. It's like you get to a new place and you're like, the last thing you want to do is put your luggage down, throw your workout gear on and go work out. But every time you do that discomfort creates way more comfortable scenarios yeah. for the rest of your trip. And, you know, by no means am I like the guy who's going to like the alpha male con, uh, you know, convention or something. But, you know, there is Jocko Willink. He's got this great video where he's like, oh, you're supposed to go on a run this morning, but it's like sleeting. Good. And yeah. he just like starts. Have you seen that video? Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. it's so motivating. And I think it's the same. It's the same thing. But, you know, he's obviously like the baddest dude ever. Um, and, and so if you can like swap your mentality to be like, oh, good, I want to be uncomfortable. I think it's, it's, it, it can help. It can help. Yeah. I use that. Like, I think about that all the time with myself and with, with my clients. It's like, cause when, when we're in this place of like, I will, I'll call like internal discomfort already. And we know we need to get like externally just, you know, uncomfortable Yeah, is it's cause we, we come up with these excuses and we're like, well, you know, I would work out, but this, and I'm like, well, it, that's good. That's because if you yeah. can work out in that place, like we get people all the time, they're like, well, I'm really busy right now, or I'm going to start this when I'm not so busy or not so this or not so that I always ask them, like, do you think that you're, you're ever going to be busy again during, <laughs> yeah. during your life? And they're like, well, of course I will be. I'm like, so yeah. if you, if you learn how to do this while you're busy, yeah, imagine how amazing and easy it's going to be when you're not busy. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I never, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you keep waiting to get unbusy, like for you, like if you just, hey, I'll work out when I'm not busy anymore, you're not going to work out for the next 20 years. Yeah. No, no way. How and did you, hopefully... how, how did you come up with this though? How'd you start doing that? Because this is, that's a really rare belief system. Like, have you always been like that or did you start like? I, you know, luckily I started rock climbing when I was. 12 years old. And so what, what ended up happening is, you know, I started hanging out, you know, I remember being like 14 years old and these like 21 year old rock climbers with tattoos everywhere would come pick me up at my parents' house. My mom would be like, what the, who the hell Where are you going? But you know, the rock climbing mentality is fortunately, you know, if you want to be good at rock climbing, you have to train and you have to 
you you can't be overweight, right? And and be a good rock climber. And so there's a really good for better or worse, like training mentality with rock climbing, where you just become completely obsessed with rock climbing. And so, you know, I think I may have started like, you know, I was like 14 years old and I had in my backyard, these like tiny little like wooden rungs on a wall that was like 45 degrees and you just hang on it. It's called a campus board. Just like essentially do like almost like pull-ups like this with one arm and, and, you know, go back down. And, and so I, you know, I think that that's the beauty of, of rock climbing is training is like intrinsic to being good at, at rock climbing. So, um, but for me, I always struggled with, cause I really like in college when, um, when I was really, really, really climbing and like, even just right out of college, you know, I was training my ass off. I had this great schedule. And then once like you become like a young adult, you know, your schedule starts to get, get a little weird. You miss your training day. And that would just like throw everything off for the week. I'd be like, Oh my God, I missed one day. And then you get guilty. And then it just starts to like snowball. And, um, I was really struggling with that. And I think I just had to kind of like change my mindset a little bit that, you know, don't, it's okay. You're going to miss a workout. Um, don't let it throw you off your schedule. And, you know, just, uh, just to be able to pick it up, take a day off. If you're traveling, come back, pick it up again. You, I think you have to have the discomfort mentality. Cause once you get into the swing of working out, I know you're the same way. It's like you crave it. Right. But oh, the yeah. second you miss a couple of days, it becomes more of like a mental battle for whatever reason. Totally. So two questions. So first one first. So mindset, like you seem to have a really unique mindset. Like you and I have a lot of parallels as far as like what you think. I mean, you quoted Jocko and I've got a couple other people like, did you, did you like get into this kind of like that? I don't even know what you call it. Like a, a, the word personal development's a little bit kind of overused, but like really like this, I call it like human psychology. Like if mm -hmm. you, did you get into human psychology anymore? Like why we do what we do and how we change our mindset, how we change our thoughts. Cause that's, it's uncommon for, especially someone, you know, like you said, like just coming out of college to like have that ability to reframe a situation and then develop and create a new mindset toward that. Was that just natural or some kind of like, you know, no, I, yeah. right when I started cosmetic, um, you know, it's, it's hard starting a business. And yeah. so I actually got really depressed and, you know, it was just high stress. I didn't pay myself anything for over a year um and and so you're like start you really start to have like a lot of self-doubt and you know i think a lot of things really like snowballed mentally for me where i was going to therapy i even tried like ssris for a little bit but it was really low point and um so i someone told me about this book called tribe of mentors um by tim ferris and it's not it's not a book it's like a it's like war yeah, it's, it's like, like an encyclopedia it's like you can barely hold it in one hand yeah. And the crazy thing that that happened was I love it because all the chapters are really small. Yeah. Um, and he just interviews really highly successful people, not just in business, but in anything like they could yeah. be philanthropists or, you know, athletes, things like that. And, and so every morning I would just read a chapter and it takes you like 10 minutes. Right. It's not, it's not like you're like, Oh, I'm going to read for an hour every day. It's really easy to accomplish. And I just started to see all of these patterns from 
all the people who are really successful and you start to notice these things that really everybody's doing. And so I, I slowly tried to like, you know, little things like maybe I try to like go 30 days taking a really cold shower in the morning for 60 seconds or, um, you know, the way that a lot of people organize their days and like when you do emails, when you don't do emails, um, you know, when you turn your phone off, sleep, you know, all, all these, you know, things that a lot of people know about now. But that honestly, was like really motivating just to read a chapter in the morning. And I learned about all these really cool people <laughs> reading that book. And so you're like, oh, who's that? Okay. And then you go buy that person's book. Right. Yeah. And then it just starts to, you start to learn about, you know, everybody who's, I guess, in the, the self-help and like wellness industry, but you yeah. know, you, obviously there's a lot of, uh, shysters out there too, but there's a lot of really good people and you shouldn't be embarrassed about self-help. I mean, no way. every, all the really successful people do the same thing. They're always like voraciously reading, yeah. you know, these types of things. So it's not you don't have to go to like a Tony Robbins, uh, a Tony Robbins event or something like that. You can just, you know, read some of the, and I recommend the Tim Ferriss book, 100%. He has two of them. It's like tribe of mentors. And I can't remember what the other one is called, but they're fantastic, easy to read. And you start to notice all the, all the same patterns. It's the success leaves clues, right? It's like, there's no, yeah. I mean, everybody's like, what's the secret? Like the secret is that there's really not a secret. It's, mm -hmm. it's all of these little things compounded upon each other consistently done over time that yep. result in these really cool things. A little um, bit I, of luck, a little yeah. bit of luck too, oh, you, you know? Um, listen, I always, say I'm the, at least. I always say I'm the luckiest person I know, right? And, and thank God for that. Because if not, like, you know, you can be the greatest whatever on the planet. And if things aren't aligning for you, it's going to be a struggle. You need, yeah. you need that little, you need that little shot. I think what you did too, by just reading that chapter a day, every morning is you, you actually changed the, the neural pathways of your brain, right? So most people get up in the morning and what happens like chaos, and, chaos ensues, right? Yeah. Phone, email, kids, wherever you're at in life, right? There's something that's coming at you. Like, you know, be, you're being, you know, doused with a, with a, a fire hose. Mm -hmm. You reset your brain every morning by just reading for 10 minutes not only just reading, but reading something like super successful. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not uncommon that you're, you changed your own neural pathways. Like that's your, that's nature's SSRI, right? Like you started yeah. thinking differently and that led to different thoughts, led to different actions, led to different words. You probably started talking differently, yeah. having diff different conversations. Cause you're probably like telling people, Hey, have you ever heard a so-and-so? Yeah. Like totally. I, read this I read this thing today. It's so awesome. And when you start doing that, yeah, and the, and the, the narrative changes like this thing changes automatically. Like the human yeah. the human brain is so cool. And then you'll be like, okay, everybody in this book meditates. So I'll read a chapter. Yeah. And then I bought like uh, this Sam Harris before he became involved in all the scandals and stuff like that. Yeah. I still love Sam Harris. He's great. Um, but uh, you know, he's got a great app. He just like takes it from a. I think he's like a neurologist. Um. But he uh, he does a really good job of meditation. And so for me, I mean, my mind's always going everywhere. Meditation helps. Instead of starting out with your phone, you can just figure out how to quiet your mind. It's it's yeah. a powerful thing as well. I love that. And, so yeah. That, and, let's talk about, go sorry about, go ahead. Well, sorry about rock climbing for a second. Because I mean, most 12-year-olds aren't chilling at the house being like, okay, like I'm going to, I'd like to, I'd like to risk my life today. <laughs> climb up the, you know, the side of this mountain. Like, yeah. You know, you grew up, you grew up in Colorado. 
I actually grew up in um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, you grew up in Tennessee. Okay. It is honestly like the rock, one of the three rock climbing capitals of the U.S. Really? Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, like there's beautiful sun-baked sandstone as far as the eye can see all around Chattanooga. And it's all within like a five to 20 minute drive, which is very unusual. So you could literally throw a rock and hit it a rock climber in Chattanooga. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so where my parents lived, there was like literally climbing areas within five minutes from it. So I used to always like, um, ride my bike back there and I just like mess around on the rock and like wrestling shoes, you know, and you know, thing, one thing led to another from there. And the, the community is, is what really drew me in too. It's, it's one of those things where, I always feel sorry when people don't have like a hobby that they're obsessed with and like can share it with a community because, you know, that's how you build really good friends. Most of my friends right now I have from music and, and rock climbing. And, you know, I don't know how I would meet people without that. Right. It's so, so difficult. Like you don't meet lifelong friends in a bar, you know, you definitely meet them usually in whatever communities you're, you're plugged into because you share that, you know, common, common love for something. And so so it just sucked me in really early. It's one of those things that's like, so terrifying when you start, you know, you're up high, you got to kind of get over that, that, that fear of, of falling. And, um, I recommend rock climbing to, to everybody. I mean, it's such a fun sport and, you know, you're all, you don't, I don't go on vacation to the beach ever. I'm always like, put me in the mountains. And, uh, you know, my wife and I on like our honeymoon, we were in like a blizzard in Bishop, California, trying to boulder, um, boulder around the Sierra Nevadas and stuff. And I, I just love it. It's so fun. That's really cool. And it's hats off to you for finding somebody who else, who appreciates that as a, as a significant other, as a, as a partner in life. Cause that's, you know, unique, unique to find somebody who wants to scale the side of a, a cliff on a, on a Wednesday afternoon for fun. Yeah. Now, when you got into that, like, did you, cause I'm just thinking about like the, the technicality of it. Like, yeah, I mean, when you're young, you go out there and you're like, you kind of tool around on the rock by yourself. When you talked about that community, did you, was there like a, a mentor or a few in that group that are like, Hey dude, if you really want to do this, like, and they kind of showed you how. Oh was, yeah. Oh okay. yeah. It's so important. Like your first, you know, people think that like rock climbing is really dangerous. It's not. But your first year of rock climbing is extremely dangerous as you're learning. Like I remember my first, for anyone who climbs, you probably have heard the term trad climbing. It's where like you place your own gear as you're climbing up, right? And so you're like, you've got cams and nuts and these things that you like put into like cracks and crevices in the rock. And so, you know, if you fall, you're falling on something that you placed, right? It's not like a bolt that's bolted in. And I remember like I got to the top of the very first trad climb I did. It was called Jefferson Airplane at Sunset Rocks in Chattanooga. And I said, take, you know, I clipped the anchors, leaned back. And literally ev- as the rope went tense, every single piece of my gear popped out just from the tension on the rope as they were lowering me down. And so it literally, if I had fallen, it would have just gone like ting, 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 ting as I, as I fell down. And so you know, those are the things where you look back on and you're like, holy shit, that was so lucky. So hold on, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've never climbed, I, I won't even climb a ladder. So let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about this for a second. So you're, you're at the top and they're going to, there's people down below that are going to help you come back down. So- yeah. So, so like imagine, um, okay. So like, imagine this is like the wall, right? 
And so you have to get from here to here. And usually at the top, there's like two bolts at the top that are permanently there, right? Okay. And so you climb up and let's say I placed the piece of gear at the Apple phone, right? And let's say I made it to right here and then I fell. You would fall the distance to the Apple plus the distance above the Apple, right? Because, and they would catch you. You'd go like that because your piece of gear is right here. Okay. And so like I climbed to the top, I was like placing pieces the whole way. I got up on these bolts and as they're lowering me down, I didn't even take a fall. It just ping, 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 ping. That's how badly I placed all the gear. Because you were hard. attached, you were attached to the main bolt at the top. Yeah, I was attached to the permanent bolts. And so, okay. you know, I was on the bolts. It's, those aren't going anywhere, but gotcha. the pieces of gear I had placed were so horrible that they literally just all shot out from the rock as soon as uh, the, the rope uh, had any tension in it. So that's a, good, that's a good lesson, right? Oh my God. Yeah. And, you know, I remember I like, first year I forgot to like tie my knot I just had it through my harness and I was like I luckily I was like 20 feet in the air and I looked down and I was like oh my god I don't have my knot tied and so you like down climb to the bottom so you know that's where the mentors definitely come in for climbing uh, yeah you know you can uh, you know a lot of people they, they kind of show you the ropes I'm thinking about all the nuances between like that and being an entrepreneur, like owning a mm -hmm. business, starting a business I mean some days it does feel like you're metaphorically climbing a rock and, and sometimes without any help right like you're, yeah you're placing your own things that you talked about and you're you're having to navigate this yeah. the face of this cliff you know on your own with you know making decision after decision after decision so there's a lot of parallels there so yeah did you like, did you play sports growing up yeah yeah i played like i mean any like football baseball basketball i mean you name it yeah yeah I grew up in Texas. So in Texas, you're, you basically come out of the womb playing football. Like you get yeah. your own, you get your mouthpiece when you're like, <laughs> three, you get three days old and the whole nine yards. So yeah. Oh yeah. And I think sports have been like a, I mean, without it, I don't know that I would have the same level of whatever it is. Right. Like this, like, you know, don't quit attitude. Like, you know, I'm just that guy who's always going to do yeah. the, I'm always going to do the extra thing that needs to be done even without being told to do it. I've always been like a weird kid. Like I grew up like, you know, I grew up harassing my coaches, like asking them if I could get a key to the weight room. So yeah, I could lift, I could lift weights anytime I wanted to. So I've always- And you know, weightlifting, you know what I like about weightlifting and rock climbing versus uh, like ball sports and things like that. I, I love playing ball sport. I grew up playing like a, a lot of baseball, yeah. um, uh, but you it's so measurable. It's oh. like, okay, with weightlifting, it's like, oh, I benched 225 last month. Now I'm benching 235. You, you see, you can measure yeah. results and it gets you really psyched. Same thing for climbing. It's got a rating system. Yeah. You either, and then you like train for something, you keep trying it. And then like, you know, the next year you freaking crush it. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so much better now because of like the work I put in. Whereas like with soccer, I feel, you know, if you're like, you know, practicing kicking the ball, it's really hard to like, see that daily progression that yeah. that you're getting right and and so that's what i like about sports that where you can like measure success like that yeah the, the ball sports are more subjective right it's like yeah. oh well this was a, that was good based on all these other variables or somebody else's mm -hmm. opinion like oh you did really good today it's like you know what i mean it's like yeah. well like if the gym and like if you're talking about rock climbing it's like the numbers are the numbers, right? One of, yeah. my favorite, one of my favorite sayings, I don't know if Henry Rollins said it or what, whoever it was, but the weights don't lie, right? Yeah. The, weights, the weights don't 
treat you any differently. They don't feel sorry for you. No. They don't, they don't coddle you. They could care less about your emotions. <laughs> they, they are what they are, right? And, yeah. and you either, you either do or you don't. And I think that's business too, right? When you're talking about numbers, like then I always say, tell people in business, like the numbers don't lie. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like profit is profit, loss is loss. There may be some reasons for that, but those numbers are fixed, right? They're hardcore data yeah. points. So I think both of those things really transition into, you know, into, yeah. into business life, the whole nine. Oh yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like scared of the numbers. Right. And oh. you know, you'll just sort of, uh, that's the last thing you're thinking about. I know so many people who are starting a business. I'm like, do you know how to read a cash flow statement or an income statement or a balance sheet? And it's always like, no, that's my bookkeeper, you know? Scary. And, yeah. It's too scary. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I luckily one of my undergraduate degrees was in accounting. I had a good mentor in college who was like, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, first things first, like know how numbers work. And yeah. I think it's really important to be able to understand that like you shouldn't do your books but you shouldn't if you needed to you should know how that's the the level you should understand accounting yeah. if you're going to start a business like you should be able to do that and understand it it goes back to that seek discomfort right that you know yeah. you be able to embrace it because when you first start a business like the numbers usually aren't great right they're no. not usually amazing like hey look at me i'm rich like, no yeah that doesn't you gotta happen. like be like how much more you know burn do i have left yeah. you know before all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like oh no we're we're out of cash we're gonna have yeah, to I, I, oh. I remember when i was younger like nobody really taught me about money like i you know i grew up in this little tiny town in texas like at one stoplight like i didn't know anything about money i didn't know how to write no. a check i don't know what a bank account was and so when i got in college i was just like a moron like oh know, yeah like zero concept zero Me clue. Too. what does this mean oh credit card <laughs> this will be awesome take my, <laughs> take, take my money and yeah. so it's like you know as you get older and especially when you start businesses then you start to be like what what's margin well what does that even right. mean like you start doing all these things and i think when i if i look back on kind of what you're talking about like with the rock climbing the weightlifting and the sports it's like okay like it's a, a lot of the same principles really kind of like over connect in there and if you can do those things it really sets you up for success. Yeah. And there's, I don't know anyone who's not scared of heights or falling. Right. And yeah. you know, when you start climbing, but unless you're on something really sketchy where you're like really run out, you know, climbing, you can really get, you can get past that barrier. Right. And it sort of teaches you how to like em embrace that fear a little bit because you know, it's, it's just part of climbing and climbing is 99% falling. 1%. You don't count that you've done. I don't know if you climbed before, but no, you don't send something until you get from the bottom to the top without falling. It's not that like you make your way to the top. That doesn't count, right? You're working to be able to do that. And so 99% of the time you're climbing, you're just failing constantly. And then you can, you know, you finally send it and you're like, Oh my God, yes, this is amazing. You know, that's cool. Was there, was there like a I don't even know what you call it. Was there like a trophy or a milestone? Like when you started climbing and you kind of got more into it and you're like, okay, this particular mountain or whatever, whatever you call it, like, is that, that's the guy. Like when I get to that level, I'll feel like I actually made it. I'll feel like I can actually, I'm a climber. Yeah. There's like levels, um, you know, and I think when you're young, you're like, oh yeah, I want to climb like a 512 or something. And then you want to get up to like 514. 514 is a really, it's like this, this benchmark for you're climbing really strong 
really strong and you've had to train your ass off to get there. Um, for me, climbing on El Cap um, in Yosemite, that was a really uh, big thing. Um, it's, it's freaking scary up there and it's, it's blue collar rock climbing. You're like hauling these like 400 pounds of, of gear behind you. And so, you know, you climb up and then you just start hauling, you're like sweating, getting baked in the sun. And, um, you know, Yosemite is, I think one of my favorite places in the world, just cause it's, have you ever been there? No. Oh God. You've got to go check it out. I mean, El Capitan is absolutely stunning and have you seen the alex honnold movie free solo yeah oh my god it's for me i, I just sitting there watching it my hands are sweating i'm like god how is he able to to do this because it is sketchy rock climbing up there and you know you're thousands of feet in the air um and doing like really slippery slabby rock climbing on el cap and uh it's it's wild so el cap for me it was like a really a really big one i wanted to to be able to do that at least do like the nose and uh, a few other ones so let's talk about the free solo guy for a second i'm glad you brought that up like is that is he just an anomaly or is it years and years of training is it a little bit of luck is it a little bit of everything combined I mean, in your opinion obviously i mean we you know yeah he's not the best he's not the best rock climber and he'll okay. tell you that, you know, he's from a technical, from a technical perspective, yeah, from a technical that, okay. standpoint, he's really like nothing that, that special. I mean, he's really, really strong, right? He's, he's a okay. great rock climber, but he's not in that like elite, elite level of climbing. Um, but every single rock climber will, will tell you that, you know, Alex Honnold is just insane mentally that he can be able to do these things like there's i don't think there's another climber like him who's doing anything like him i mean free soloing el cap is just the wildest thing in the world that he's able to just turn off that fear and there's usually like one climber every generation who's really into free soloing there's like dan osman um in like the 80s on a a level of like zero to ten ten being the most insane thing ever that would be level 10 level 10 yeah like you would never him free soloing el cap you never understand like the general public doesn't understand it no once you get up on el cap and you're climbing up there you're just you fully grasp it and it's it's insane like the guy's got no no fear and he's able to just turn off that part of his brain i i don't know anyone else who could even who would consider that ever Okay. And so it, yeah, it's really impressive. If you haven't seen Free Solo, it's it's such a good movie. But as a climber, it's like the most terrifying thing you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, most climbing yeah. movies that get popular, they're like pure shit. Like uh, yeah. Vertical Limit, hilarious. Cliffhanger, hilarious. Right. Um, but there's no rock climber who doesn't like speak with reverence about Honold for what he did because it's it's wow. crazy. That's cool. So it's a mindset thing. It's like just being able to turn that fear factor yeah. off in your brain. Yeah. You got to get really strong and then yeah. just have that screw loose a little bit. Interesting. I did, I, you know, as not being in the community, I would not have known that he would not be considered like from a technical perspective, one of the, one of the elite of elites. That's interesting. I'd say but, he's like top 10%, but at the very back of that. Right. That's really cool. As far as like strength, pure strength goes. For me, that even makes it cooler because then in my brain goes to things of like, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, as humans, we have a capacity to do things that we can't even conceptualize, right? Yeah. Both physical, mental, emotion, every everything. 
And I think like, that's such a great story for him to say like, oh, hey, this guy's not even the, probably the best. No. And this is what he did. You know, I always like use an analogy of like, if you looked at like, I mean, you know, from a football perspective, like Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than anybody else in history. But from a pound per, from a pound for pound quarterback perspective, he's definitely not the best quarterback to ever right. play the game. I mean, he's at arm strength. I mean, all those things. He's good. Like he's in the yeah. top 10%, but he's not that he's not the guy. Like if you said who's yeah. the best at this technical aspect. So I think those are really great analogies. And you know, for the I think Alex, like as far as bouldering, bouldering is really like measuring like your power. And then, you know, your endurance is measured by like routes. But you know, bouldering wise, I think Alex, maybe he's climbed a V14, but I think he's more around like V13. And as his top, I've climbed V13 before. And, you know, there's guys like out there climbing like V16, potentially V17 now. And so it's like multiple grades uh, above him yeah. as far as like pure bouldering strength goes. But Alex is much better on routes. But as far as like overall, just like crusher, rock climbing, pebble crusher strength, like it's um, he's still not in that elite, elite level. That's cool to know though. I love that. I yeah. like that. He's not, I like that. He's not, it makes me appreciate it. Even I know, right. It makes yeah. me appreciate it a little bit more. Like, I mean, he's not like the, the guru of rock climbing, but he did this incredible feat yep. that, that somebody with more, with more skill might not even be willing to try Yeah, right? be, because of the, the complete insanity of the, the mental aspect that it would take. Dude, I feel like you have got a little free solo in you as far as like your business trajectory. Like I'm, I'm I admire the, your willingness to work your ass off. It's like you talked about earlier, like, you know, when you get hot, like stay hot and, and keep doing those things. I think I probably know the answer, but what's on the agenda for you? Like what's, what is the next like six months look like? What's the next year look like? What are you going to do with, with the business and everything else? Yeah, you know, we're still really we've got a lot of new products that we're trying to roll out right now that we've been working on for a while. It's going to be still a lot of uh, so so here's here's something interesting. So my my business partner um, and and one of the three partners in cosmetic, he he started a, an ice company and sold it in the mid nine figures. Uh, so a lot he made a lot of money, right? Right. And, yeah. yeah he's he's been like the best mentor he calls me like snowflake right he's a little he's older than me he's like yeah. in his mid-50s so he like considers all millennial snowflakes so he'll be like right. hey snowflake what are you worried about today you know things like that and right. you know when we started he he would just always say give me the same advice he'd be like sales are king go make sales go make sales go make sales that's all he would say he's like get your ass on the road and make sales and he's hundred percent right. Sales can solve 90% of your problems with your business. And so I think a lot of owners don't want to get out and, and sell, but the best ones can, can sell. And, you know, you're the most passionate person about, about your company and no one's going to sell it like you. That's why I'm on the road three days a week is, you know, I love being around people, telling them about the brands and like getting them as excited as I am about it. And, um, you know, we still have reps, they still manage the accounts and stuff like that. You don't have to get like buried in paperwork and things like that, but get out there as an owner, keep your finger on the pulse. You know, it'll, it'll actually lead to new ideas, new product development ideas. Don't like stay behind a desk. And if you want to build a national brand, you're going to have to travel, you know, you're not going to do it behind a desk. I mean, you may, but for the most part, it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be tough, right? That's one of the things that stuck out to me when I first met you. And you said it again, we, we met in, in Vegas and then we saw each other a couple of weeks later in Arizona. 
and we had the same conversation about two different things. Yeah. And you were, you were talking about bringing in, you were talking about a new, like big spa, like big resort, bringing in your product. And you're like, I'm going to go do it myself. Yeah. You said that to me in Vegas. Then we met, we saw each other again and you're like, oh yeah, after this, I'm headed down to Tucson, big, big organization brought us in. I'm going to go do it myself. And I was like, yeah. that's interesting because that's not what most people would do in that scenario. They'd be like, oh, I'm already on the road. I'm going to send somebody else, get yeah. to go home, like kick my feet up. So I really admired that about you is your willingness to, and you, and you were like, it's not that they couldn't do it, but I'm going to go do it. Like, I'm going to go like give it everything that I've got. Um, yeah. And that's for, I mean, that's like when they're already a client and they want you to come train like the therapist and esthetician. So 99% of brands are just going to send yeah. like an educator out there, yep. but you know, for me, obviously you can't do it for every client, but right. for your really, you know, your those 20% of clients who are the ones who are, you know, 80% of your revenue, um, I'll personally come in, I meet all the therapists, all the staff, the janitors of the spa, the people who are working in the in the locker rooms, right? I, and they're, they'll all, every single time I go, it's like, people just assume you're a sales rep or someone. And then when they find out you're the owner, they're like, holy cow, like owners never come here to like talk with us. Right. And it puts like a face and a name to the company. It makes yeah. it feel more like familiar and um, you know, not, you, you can't be too good to do something in, in your own business, like just set the ego aside. And it's actually one of my favorite things to do is when I get to come in and meet all the staff and, you know, who, who are actually working at the spa. And so you, I think you can translate it to industries outside of the spa. It's, you know, so yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool that you, that really differentiated you from a lot of conversations I have with business owners and, and entrepreneurs and people like that. And yeah. What can, what can you, what can you teach me from, uh, uh, from, from your, from your writings? I haven't gotten the opportunity to order your books yet, but I will Gosh, be. Man. Um, you know, I wrote the first book, the overweight mind, which is really just like all the psychological reasons. Like you could really take, like the weight loss perspective out of it, but it's it's one of the, it's like the core foundation of like, why as humans, we struggle, you know, we struggle mm -hmm. to make different decisions. We struggle to grow. And we, you and I touched on a lot of those earlier. It's like retraining your brain, using different language, like all of those types of things just really matter in the grand scheme of, of growth. I wrote the book because I'd been in the weight loss world for several years and I was having super success. I was helping people lose a ton of weight, massive success. And then they would go, you know, they'd move on. They'd be like, hey, Jay, I lost 120 pounds. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to go on with my life. I'd see them six months later and it was like nothing ever happened. Like they yeah. gave me the 120 pounds back. And I'm like, as as a, as a, as a, a high achiever, as a winner, that pissed me off. Yeah. I, wasn't mad, I wasn't mad at them. I was mad at myself. I'm like, yeah. what did I not do? Like, what did I not do that, that didn't set themselves, didn't set them up for like long-term success? So I got pissed at myself first and foremost. And I'm like, okay, I got to figure out a solution to this because I can get the result, but I, but I'm not making it stick. And so yeah. I started thinking about the psychology. So what I did is I, I took the world of weight loss and the world of personal development and I just married them. And so, mm -hmm. and so I have a, I have an online, like, you know, I'd call it like a group training program called uh, thrive forever fit that we train and help people create a lifestyle that's forever. Like not this yeah. like yo-yo dieting, not this, you know, all these things of that nature. 
And then my second book is called The Purpose of Pain, like how to turn um, tragedy into triumph because life's not supposed to suck. So it's kind of like my journey through into personal development, like how I kind of got started and, and got to where I am today with like the way that I think, the way that I, you know, talk, the way all those things. It's like my dad got killed when I was five years old and I, and I spent the next like from five to 20 in this like super dark place of, yeah. of just believing that like my life sucked, like yeah. bad things happened to me. Like my best friend, um, you know, died when I was 17. I gave him CPR on Christmas day till the paramedics came. Oh, when, I was 20, when I was 25, my, my actual college best friend put a shotgun in his mouth and blew his head off. And it was after that, that I said, okay, enough's enough. Like, I can't keep, I can't, I'm only 25. Like this is going to yeah. end, it's going to end really quickly or I'm going to have to change. And so that's when I started like looking into personal development, like changing the way I thought and the way I talked and the way all those things. So the second book's really about that. It's like, no matter how crappy this first part of your story is, you can really turn it into anything just by making some decisions and, and thinking differently and surrounding yourself with different people and consuming different things. And, you know, just kind of like a, I'm just kind of a, I'm a human psychology, like guinea pig, I guess you would say. So. Yeah. I think, uh, do you ever watch uh, my 600 pound life? Yeah. I think is what it's called. Yeah. That man, I'm kind of addicted to that show. I like watching it. Like if I'm on an airplane for whatever reason, I feel like it's always on, uh, always yeah. on airplanes and like, it's just, uh, it's, it's like the same episode every time. And actually, you want to hear my, uh, you want to hear my, it's one of my impressions I do. I do the doctor from my 600 pound life. Oh, who says no to that? I'll say it. I've never done this before. Uh, and on, especially on a, uh, caught on camera, but, uh, the guy, so, you know, his name's Dr. On or no, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Ever, anybody who's like, seen the, anybody who's seen the show knows exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. He'll be like, well, Jay. I put you on your salad diet, but you've just been eating chicken fingers. You gained 400 pounds and I would not be able to do the surgery on you. And he's always gets so pissed at them and yeah. he gets like so angry. And, uh, but every now and then when the people actually do the work, it's like the most, uh, oh. just so uplifting. You're just sitting there like, oh, this is amazing. He just it's changed that person's life. But yeah. that's people not the norm. No, people always ask me like, what's one of the most gratifying things that, that you, that you do, you get, you know, get to do. And it's like, it's a story like that. When I've helped somebody lose like a hundred pounds, 200 pounds, even 50 pounds, like I'll get yeah. messages. Like people I don't even know will say, Hey Jay, I read your book and it changed my life in the following ways. Like I've had people that read my second book, the, the purpose of pain and, and messaged me and said, Hey, like I've, I've been suicidal for a long time and I read your book and it really gave me hope. And I changed X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I mean, it definitely yeah. did, definitely did not write the book for that, you know, for that purpose. But like the fact that you can impact somebody's life that you never met, that you'll never meet, that you, whatever, like that's, I mean, I just got goosebumps. Cause like, that's the, you know, that's the reason that, you know, we all get to do what we get to do. Right. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like the story with your mom. It's like, you know, that's a super unfortunate situation. And instead of just sitting by and just watching, you were like, not today. Like I'm going to, yeah. there's going to yeah. be some, yeah, not today. Like wrong guy. I'm going to yeah. figure, I'm going to figure this out. And that's what you did. And that's kind of what, it's what inspires me about you and, and, and people with the energy that you have. And so I just want to continue to. Well, when you champ, sure. When you change someone and get them like addicted to exercise, it literally probably affects so many aspects of their life that they weren't yeah. even 
thinking about when they started doing it. They're like, I want to look good. And then all of a sudden you start feeling good. You become like your, your attention level just skyrockets your productivity. Like it's, and I hate this, I hate this movement right now that I'm on, I'm on Reddit a lot. And, uh, you know, if I'm like a nighttime bored, I'll look at Reddit and there's this like movement where it's like, oh, exercise, you're such a meathead, you know, like telling people to yeah. go exercise, oh, go watch Joe Rogan, you know, or like, yeah. it's just this weird thing where, where people are like very anti, like trying, like don't tell people to try to get healthy yeah. to improve how they feel mentally. And it's so strange to me that it's like this meathead, they're putting in this like meathead mentality box when it's right. so not even close to that. I talk about it as being like, it's it's one of the most synergistic pieces of life. Like if you get your, your health in good working order, it affects your relationships. It affects your fine, it affects your money. Like you make better decisions. Like you, your money just seems to start becoming more abundant. Like your, all the things, like your beliefs, yeah. like your life just gets so much better. So I think that life in and of itself is like so synergistic. Like you can't be, you can't be so out of whack in one in one phase and think that the other phases aren't going to be affected. It's just yeah. it's impossible, right? And so yeah. when I when I hear you know people say things like that, like oh, like, you know, you're being that that's you're shaming or meatheading or this or that, I'm like, we're, we're literally just talking about moving your body, like yeah. literally just go for a walk, like yeah. go for a walk and like pick up pick something up off the ground and put it back down. It's like it's actually the most and you could probably, I bet you would attest to this. Like whenever you're rock climbing and you're physically exerting yourself, both mentally and physically, that's gotta be one of the craziest things, right? I think there are some parallels between weightlifting. Like you get under 600 pounds. Yeah. Like it's, it's a psychological thing yeah, just definitely. as much as it is. As a mental yeah. thing. And so it, it changes your, it changes your chemistry. It changes the way you think. Yeah. Like if you ever, it's, it's hard to be depressed when you're on the side of El Capitan, like, in that environment doing all that you're not thinking about being sad or or anything like that you're this is it man like you're in your life it's the most alive you'll ever be yeah yeah everything you just smell like you're smelling things you're like breathing you're like feeling the sun it's like it all just kind of comes together and And you know if you're trying to think it's like a meathead thing you're you're anti-science because literally all research points that you know exercise is so healthy for you in totally. so many different ways dude i've had people that were you know really overweight that have come to me they've lost the weight they got so much confidence they became attorneys they became doctors yeah like they got they got into these amazing relationships started making more money than they've ever made in their entire life and like yeah. we literally just got them to start thinking differently and yeah. treating, treating themselves with a little bit of respect when it came to their physical body yeah everything changed yeah, you're not going to start cage fighting, right? You're not going to turn no. like join the UFC, you know? It's like you can you can you That's all Instagram, right? That's yeah. all the, that's the social media highlight reel when you're looking at that and it's like, you know, I always tell people like if you if you're trying to get like you know, on the cover of of Sports Illustrated, like I'm not your guy. Like if you want to be like, you know, this this is not me. Like I want to help you live a better life. Yeah. And that just means like that means synergistically across the board. Like I don't want you just to have a great physical body and then your relationships suck and yeah. your, you know, your beliefs suck and like you know, every your life is is a shambles. Like I want to help you create a lifestyle that's just so and I think that's a lot of what you're doing, man. Like this this brand that you've created is not just a 
I mean, I've been in this industry with Lori. I mean, Lori, Lori and I've been together almost 20 years. She's been an esthetician for 25 years, spa owner, <clears throat> business. I mean, multiple businesses, teaches women all across the, the world how to be successful in the spa world. So I've been, I've probably been to as many trade shows as you have, like yeah. from, from day one. And I, I, I see a brand like yours and I'm like, this isn't just a skincare brand. Like this isn't just like, Hey, here's your three-step process. Like put this on when you go to bed. Like there's a, there's a power and a meaning and a frequency and, a, and an energy. We'll come back to that behind your brand. And it's like, and after talking to you today, I know that everybody else is going to hear that. So I'm not even, I'm not even the least bit shocked of how successful you are. And I think the sky's the limit. Like when I started using your stuff two years ago, I'm like, hey, this stuff is really good. It's really awesome. I really love it. Now I know why, like, cause now I know that like, it's more than just, it's more than just, you know, pumping the lotion out and putting it on and, and going about my day. Like there's something bigger behind it. So you're, I'm yeah. proud of you, dude. This is cool. Yeah, you too. You're doing, you're doing really cool things. You know, you're like uh, so many different aspects of, of wellness oh, that, you know, not, not everyone was lucky enough that someone gave me that, that Tim Ferriss book. Right. And so you're, yeah. you're the one who's already done all the research who can like, you know, show people different things to, to test out, you know, not everything works for everybody. So, you know, you got to try a bunch of different things and see what works. I totally agree. Like I hated CrossFit. I didn't, I don't like CrossFit very much, you know, like, um, but people love CrossFit. So it just wasn't for me. And that's what I tell people all the time. They're like, oh, do I have to do this? And I'm like, you don't have to do anything. Like, no. I want, I want you to find what lights you up. Yeah. Like for you, it's rock climbing. It's like, if I, here, here's the foolish nature of that. It'd be like, you that you don't, I mean, that's not, it's not good enough, right? You need to do CrossFit and rock climbing. Or you need yeah. to, you now you need to get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It'll help you be a better rock climber. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't literally, I literally don't want to get choked on a Wednesday evening. No, you know me neither. I mean? After work, it's, just, <laughs> it's not for me. Like that's not to say it's not awesome, but it's not for me. And so I'm yeah. with you. Like I'm not a CrossFit guy. Like it's like, there's modalities for everybody, but it's just about finding your happy, like finding yeah. the thing that gets you to, to go do it. And if it's, if it's rock climbing or even if it is CrossFit, knock yourself out and get all in on it. And I guarantee you the people who get to black belt and jujitsu, the reason they do is because they got plugged into a community. Right. Okay. And there's like, you know, I remember like after school with rock climbing, people are like, okay, we're going to the climbing gym, you know, and like your, your friends and you like the activity, the health activity is with your community and your yeah. friends. And that just makes it so much easier. Cause you're not like, lone wolf like trying to do it all on your own you know totally. and, you know yeah. sometimes like i would be like sitting on my ass and they're like get to the gym i'd be like damn it okay fine let's go you know be there. yeah we you know we do a lot of that with with our with our thrive forever fit community we do a we do an online i do an online coaching call every wednesday at two o'clock we have live events that people from all over the country come to at my at my studio at my actual physical um gym it's really community driven like our 5 a.m class sometimes in the past has had up to 40 people in it it's it's oh wild. no kidding and then on saturdays we'll bring in a coffee truck we'll bring in like breakfast we'll bring in music the whole nine yards and like you know we'll have 50 to 100 people show up and do workouts and hang out and have fun it's like it's more of a community aspect and that's what keeps people going like it let, let's be honest like losing weight by yourself sucks yeah like lifting weights by yourself sometimes sucks yeah so, for sure yeah if you know somebody else is going to be there that's in the same boat you are and they're co you know encouraging you it's like well heck yeah i'll go do that like so yeah, yeah find a community i think that's a that's great how class. you get your social socialization a lot of times so yeah. do you get up do you do the class at 5 a.m you're like teaching it 
Yeah, yeah, I do. How the, so, how um, the hell do I get up at four thirty in the morning? Tell me, because I, I try I, and I, I get up at three a.m. What the hell? How do you yeah. do this? How do I? I just, how do I get up early? I I'm can't for the life of me figure it out. I'm programmed. I'm a lot like Jocko when he shows his watch every day, like on his yeah. social media. It's like I get up. At, so I teach the classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So okay. Thursday, Thursday, Friday are my office days, podcast days, business stuff. But yeah, I get up at 3 a.m. And it's just, gosh, I've been doing this for over 10 years. So I don't know. I just, I just, what time do you go to sleep? I, I, I would love to be lights out, eyes closed by nine, okay. but that's 50% of the time. Um, but I've been, you know, sometimes eight o'clock, like it really depends on the week, but I'd say nine o'clock to nine 30 is kind of like the, the zone in there. So six hours. Yeah. You're, you're good. No, I'd say I'm good. So what I do is I'm, I'm so structured. I'm so like programmed, like everything is in my planner. Like I plan my day out to when I eat, when I, when, when I work out, when I move, everything is kind of planned. Obviously there's, you know, variations of that. But what I've started doing is I've gotten older, I'll be 49 in like two weeks. So as I'm approaching 50, I'm finding that the six hours isn't really enough. Mm -hmm. So what, what I do mid afternoon is I take like a 30 minute little like power nap. Yeah. I schedule it in. It's from this time to this time, every single day, shut my phone off, shut everything off, nap for 30 minutes. And it seems to be like the re-trigger that I need to go ahead and, and, and hammer for the rest of the afternoon. You know, a lot of people talked about naps in the Tim Ferriss book. So yeah, oh, you know, see, that, not, that not might have been that might have been where I got it from because I remember thinking like when I was younger, I was anti-nap. I'm like winners don't take naps. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what I mean? As I got older, I'm like, I'm like maybe there's something to this napping thing. And so yeah. I'm I'm like you. I you probably research things, right? If you hear something, you're like, okay, hmm. I'm gonna go check this out myself. Yeah. So that's what I did. I started looking into the science behind it. And if you you know who Andrew Huberman is. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so I listened to a lot of him and, and those guys and they'll like, from a psychological perspective, a 30 minute nap, like midday or whatever is almost has the equivalency of like a full night's sleep from a, almost like a, a resetting the battery, like not from a, not from a total reparative standpoint, like you're not getting into like, you know, full rim and you're not cycling right. through, all, through all five stages. But what it does is it's almost like supercharging your iPhone, like your iPhone's like at 10%. And then you put it on like one of the superchargers and it gets it back up to like 90. So this so you do like 30 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. is like yep. the anything over 30, you probably start to go into deeper cycles. Yeah. Like you get a little groggy. bit groggy. You get yeah. a little bit groggy. You get a little bit weird. It's kind of like that lethargic thing. If like your brain doesn't work, but yeah. And so I'm very routine about it. So I find it. So the 30 minute window, then I get up and I have a little system that I go through just to kind of get me replugged in uber hydrated. And then I just go back to work, man. And it's, it's like, it's been a, it's been a, Beautiful. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow back up with you in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to do, you know, I've yeah. been wanting to get up at like a little bit before five, you know, cause I'm not getting calls, emails, get a lot done. What time do you get up now? I usually get up now about six 30. Okay. So don't be crazy. Don't say like, I'm going to get up at 4am just for the next week, start getting up either at six 15 or six o'clock only break. Yeah. I would, I would only go in like 15 to 30 minute increments max. As, yeah. you, as you start to bridge into that. So like next week, starting on like Sunday or Monday, whenever you want, like get up at like 6.05, like set like a random time that like creates like a new nuance in your brain. Yeah. Like, okay, 6.05, that's my get up time. Yeah. Right? And so what I do is I like in my phone, like I'm really big on like mantras and like weird stuff. But 
my alarm clock at 3 a.m. underneath it, it says time to change the world. So anytime I change right. that thing, like I have a mantra that goes along with that. Like, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, if I look over at my alarm clock at 3 a.m. and it says time to change the world and I hit snooze, <laughs> yeah. who's, who's that guy? Like, yeah. you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Success, I always, in one of my other mantras is success doesn't have a snooze button. It's not yeah. going to wait, it's not going to wait for you. Yeah. So for me, I've got to get up and go. So yeah, just start to do that. Like find a time, do it for a week, see how you feel. And then if it feels good, then take another like 10 minutes off of it. Get up at like 545. You know what I did one time is I got this thing called the shock watch. And it, it literally <laughs> um, shocks you at the time you set for your alarm. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Or it's called the Pavlov. You know, it's like this yeah, like, like Pavlovian response yeah. kind of with like, Man, it was horrible. Like, you know, I'd set it for 5.30 and then to just send electricity through your body. Like it made you, it actually worked because you're so wide awake after getting shocked oh, with yeah. electricity. But it's sort of like you, you're you introducing something negative with waking up. It's kind of the opposite of a Pavlovian response, actually. Yeah. But it definitely got you up. That's for sure. It's like it's like a little bit of torture to start your day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like somebody throwing a cold bucket of ice water on you. Yeah, you get, exactly. Get sleep. Okay. Yeah. How long did that last? Oh, just a couple of weeks. So yeah, not not very long. That is hysterical. But yeah, touch base with me again a couple of weeks. Let me know how the the progression or but just stage it up. Like I think what you'll find too is like as busy as you are, like to have that like hour and a half, two hours of like solace time of like okay, hey, nobody's, I don't, I don't, nobody's going to call me right now. I don't have to, there's no fire to put out. There's no anything. Like, it's really going to be that like new peaceful calm for you. So it's, it's like, I get up at three and then I'll, I spend about an hour in my office before I go to the studio. So I get to the studio about four, kick off everything about 5am. So that first hour of the day is like super special. Well, my goal today was to get some free advice from you. I didn't have to pay for, and uh, <laughs> I think I just got it. So, well, dude, any anytime, man, the, the, uh, the window is open for you in <laughs> any kind of advice at all. And um, like I said, I think you're a rock star. I'm, I'm blessed and grateful that I got the opportunity to meet you. And I'm, I think it's super cool of you that you took your time today to come on the show. Appreciate that. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Love what you're doing. And uh, we'll be a long time listener. So really oh, appreciate it. You, all right, guys, everything will be in the show notes. I know you guys are super jazzed. If you have any questions, reach out to me. If it's something I can't answer, I'll farm it out to Hugh and we'll get you guys taken care of and get everybody, uh, where they need to be. Love you guys. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.